from spring break or getting back from spring break, getting back into, I guess, the, the routine of what's to come tomorrow. That's always exciting for some. Um, uh, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Luke 9, uh, Luke 9, 51 is where we will start this morning. Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 51. And we are uh, in the middle of our three-week series uh, that's going to lead us to next week to Easter as we celebrate and prepare and get ready uh, there. And so what we did last week was we just looked at the very beginning of everything. Uh, we looked at the, at, the, at, at the start of things and what led us to the place we're in today. Why our world looks like it does today. Uh, the, the things that happens that makes you just kind of shake your head or, or, or the things that just leaves you confused or, or heartbroken, just, just the current state uh, that, that our world's in. We, we looked at the why there. And we talked about how that one act of disobedience has a lasting effect that even reaches to today. That, that, that even has the effects of uh, today for us and what it's done to us and what it's done in us and even in our world. We looked at all of that stuff last week. And then we even talked about as a result of that horrific act, that one horrific act, as a result of that, even us, it's present and it's there. That we're born sinful and wicked and rebellious, and we're in a desperate, desperate place. We're in a horrific state, and it would appear that we're hopeless. It would appear that we're doomed. It would appear that there's no way out. And then we get to that sweet verse that talks about the sacrifice that Jesus has paid. It talks about who Christ is and, and what He has done for us. And to kind of illustrate, like I have this, this sweet Easter canvas. It used to be a sweet Easter canvas. Um, and, and I had this little sign right here that says, Do not touch, it's for Easter. But people touched it, and so I thought if they touched it, I might as well touch it, Right? No, that probably wasn't a good idea. And so I started to kind of like, uh, there's this work of art here that, that, that we've started and that we'll, we'll bring kind of maybe to, to a, a, a better place next week. But, that, but that's what sin does, right? Sam, you've got this nice, beautiful, like empty canvas. And all it takes is just one little mark on it. And, and even trying to cover it up with white paint or even trying to uh, get creative and figure out ways to even like tape over it and cover it, it still doesn't restore it to the way that it was. But that's what we're going to celebrate next week. The restoration that's only found in Christ. And so that, that's where our hope comes from, is in Jesus. He is our living hope. And that's where we'll get to. But before we can get there, we've got to look at today. We've got to talk about in depth today and, and what today means and what we celebrate today in Palm Sunday. And so before we do that, I'm going to ask you if you join me uh, as we pray and prepare our hearts. Let's, let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, thank you for this morning, this opportunity to gather in this place. Father, I just, I just pray that we hear your voice. Uh, Father, I pray that you just still our hearts for a moment. And God, as we open up your word, that you would uh, do the work that only you can do to draw us, God, to convict us, to encourage us, God, to help us see the way that you see. Oh God, do, do, do a work like none other in this place, in people's hearts, for those watching online. God, help us love you far more than anything else. God, God as we've just saying, Lord, help, help us rid us of ourself. God, do a work, I beg of you. Shame we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, like I said, we're just going to look uh, at what we celebrate in the church as Palm Sunday. It's, it's, a, it's a day that comes around every year, and today uh, in the church year is, is when we traditionally mark our calendars as Jesus enters into Jerusalem for the very last week of his life. 
This is it for him. He, he knows what's coming. He sees what's coming. He understands what's coming. And, and, and he's headed that direction anyways. He's, he knows where his life's going to end. It's going to end uh, on a cross and in a tomb. And so this is an event of, of great insight. But with that also comes great misunderstanding. As great of insight as it brings us, there is still some confusion and misunderstanding, especially in that day and even in our day. And so let's look first. The great insight. The great insight is this, is that Jesus really is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus really is who he says he is. He's about to prove that. He's about to show that. He's about to, uh, to change the very course of history as, we've, as we know it. He is about to go and accomplish all that was prophesied, all that was told of him in the day of old. He's about to live out and to do and to be. He was the Messiah, the son of David. He is the long-awaited ruler of Israel. He's the fulfillment of all that God promised. Everything that God promised in the Old Testament is about to be fulfilled in Jesus on that cross. That great hope that we talk about is going to be found in Christ and his sacrifice. So, so that's the great insight. That's the, the great understanding that, that we can glean from today, that we know to be true. But then there's also the great misunderstanding. And the great misunderstanding is this, is that he would enter Jerusalem and by his mighty works, he would take the throne and he would make Israel free from Rome. That's the misunderstanding. They, they had this preconceived notion of what Jesus would do to rightly establish his people to rightly establish his rule and his reign. I mean, their hearts were set on that. Finally, finally we'll be elevated to the place where we belong. Finally, Jesus will be king of all and he will be elevated to the place that he belongs. And their minds of how that would take place was wrong. That's where the misunderstanding, misunderstanding lied. It wasn't going to be that way. And so he's going to take the throne in a, in a short few days. He's, he's going to take that throne, but it's going to be through voluntarily suffering. It's going to be through dying. It's going to be through resurrecting. That, that's how he will take the throne. That's how he will establish his kingdom. That's how he will prove and show exactly who he is. And so what breaks my heart, even in our current day, what, what breaks my heart is how people missed who Jesus was. How people missed what he came to accomplish, what he was doing on this day in history, what, what, what he lived out and what he was. A few years ago, I was, I was reading a story, um, and as I was reading this story, it, it just kind of it brings to light what we're talking about this morning, just, just in this story and how, how, how something was overlooked, but it was in December of 1903. And, and there had been many, many attempts for this one thing. And you, you, Orville and Wilbur Wright, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, but, 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 but they, they were finally successful in getting their flying machine off the ground. They had finally done it. They'd gotten it off the ground, and they'd gotten it in the air, and they had finally flown a feat that, that nobody had ever accomplished. And so they are excited to accomplish this. And what do they do? They telegraph back to their sister. And what do they telegraph? They said, 120 feet, sis, we, we've done it, we've flown. What we've done what has never been done before, and we'll be home for Christmas. So their sister gets that message, and she's ecstatic. Like she, she's excited. She, can, she can't hold herself. So what does she do? She runs down to the local newspaper, and as she gets down to the local newspaper, she shows this message to the editor of the newspaper, and he glances at it, and as he looks at it, he's like, man, that, that is awesome. That is great. 
I mean, can you imagine what's going on in, in her mind and in his mind as he looks at that, as he reads it? Something has never been done. And his response is priceless. He says, that is so awesome. So they're going to be home for Christmas. And they completely, he completely misses the whole meaning of the message. Who cares if they're going to be home for Christmas? They've done something that has never been done before. They've, they've accomplished something that has never, never been done before. They, 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 they've, they've made history. And all he sees is that they'll be home for Christmas. I mean, for the first time in human history, man's flock. But he, he misses that. And so this morning, this is my hope. I, just, I hope to set up for us what is the greatest week this world has ever known and experienced. And in that, may we find hope in what Jesus has come to accomplish. And may we not miss it. May not the familiarity of this story and of this season and of this time that we celebrate, may we not miss in that like this editor missed. May we not look over certain things this coming week as, as, as it's a, a real story in a real time, in a real place that, that has real implications even on us today. I mean, this changes absolutely everything. As Jesus rides into Jerusalem, as Jesus uh, is about to set up his kingdom like never before, Jesus is about to make a way. May we not miss it. May we feel the weight of what took place on that day. As Jesus makes his final ascent to the cross, may we not miss what's happening. So Luke 9.51, Luke 9.51. And so I just want to kind of set the, set the stage for Palm Sunday as, as we'll, we'll get there here in just a second. But I believe we need to, to start here. We need to look at this verse because I, I believe that this verse is going to set up for us where we're going to, where we're going to be here in a few moments. But Luke 9.51 says this. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so this is very, very important because, because something in Jesus changes at this time. Something in him, something happens in him, and, and there's this great, great change because from this point on in the Scriptures, we're going to see Jesus' folk focus on the direction that's going to take him to the cross. Everything points him in that direction. His, his soul focus, his heart focus, his, his driving force and desire is to get to the place where God wants him to be the sacrifice for the world. And so Jesus changes in this moment. It's a turning point for his ministry, for everything about him. And so after this, what we'll see in the scriptures is that he'll no longer reside in Galilee. This will not be the place where he spends a lot of time anymore. This will just be a place where he'll make short visits from time to time. As he goes to Jerusalem to celebrate feasts, I mean, he'll make a brief visit, but it's only going to be an interlude. That would eventually lead to his final journey to Jerusalem for the very purpose of laying down his life. It's like that focus and that understanding of what his life was for takes shape all the more. So let's do this. Let's fast forward over to Luke 19. Luke, Luke 19. And as, as you're turning there, what you're going to see is, is as the work of Jesus comes to, to be and, and what the disciples had hoped would, would kind of be the climax here in Jerusalem, would be the kind of the crescendo here in Jerusalem, they thought a successful worldly type of revolution was about to start. That's what they had their mind and their heart set toward. That this would change everything, that his kingdom would be established, that they would be rightfully put in their place. That's what their heart was bent toward. That's what they were longing for. But Luke 19, 28 says this, and when he had said these things, what are the, these things? The, these things is this. Je Jesus had just finished telling the parable about 10 minutes. 
And so 10 minutes are just a measuring of money that equals to a little more than, than three months of uh, salary. And so Jesus tells this parable, and it was intended to correct the hearts of his disciples. It was intended to, to teach them, to, to show them, to correct their hearts out by warning that the Messiah was going to be rejected. That he was going to be rejected and, and thrown out and want nothing to do with. And in that, there's going to be a period of time where he's going to be absent. It's like he's trying to get them focused, trying to get them to see, hey, hey boys, there's going to be, I'm not going to be here anymore. It's coming very, very soon that I'm not going to be with you. And what he's trying to get them to see is that in his absence, his followers must engage in faithful service until he returns. They've got to stay engaged. They've got to go and live out everything that he had taught them, everything that he had walked with them through, everything that he had shown and modeled them. It's almost as a, a passing of the baton. Here you go. Take it and go. And so as verse 28 finishes up, and so he goes, he went ahead, went on ahead and going up to Jerusalem. Like I said, this is his, his final ascent to the holy city. This was the last leg of the journey that we looked at that took place that started to kind of shape and mold the heart of Christ there in Luke 9. And in verse 29 it says that when he drew near to Bethpage and, and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he, he went or he sent two of the disciples. And, and this is what he tells them. He says, go into the village in front of you uh, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever said. He says, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as they told him, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. I mean, that's, that's what I love about Jesus. I mean, he just sets it up perfect. I mean, he tells them how it's going to unfold, how it's going to happen, and it does. Just the same thing for us. We, we get to see and we get to know. And the thing I love about this is it's the smallest, minute details in the story that matters. So I don't know where you're at this morning in your life. I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know what, what's happening. Maybe turmoil, maybe, uh, maybe difficulty, whatever it is. Uh, God's aware and He knows. He knows the cult that's tied on the fence over there. He, he knows the stuff that's happening and unraveling. He, he is aware and He knows. And I, I just love the heart of God that He cares about this stuff. And he even tells them how to handle it, how to do it, what to do, what, what they need to do. Just, just listen to him. If we would just listen to him and do what he says. His disciples do in this moment. Verse 35, and they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as they rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. So Jesus sends his disciples ahead, like he said. They get this colt. No one has ever ridden it. Which is that not fitting for royalty? It's so fitting for a royal entry. And so the disciples, well, they put their, their garments on the colt there out of respect for Jesus. I mean, this is the coming king. They know and they understand and they recognize that. And so you have Jesus here and he comes in this meekness and it's humility like was foretold in Zechariah in the Old Testament. And so despite all the joy and the praise of the disciples, what do we know? That Jerusalem, they're still not going to receive Jesus as king. They're going to celebrate in this moment and be filled emotionally and, and excited emotionally in this moment, but, but we know how the story unfolds. We know, we know what happens in this story. So, so let's, let's continue in verse 37. So, so as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. I mean, think about that for a moment. Like, like put ourselves in the story for a second. I mean, they're celebrating, they're, they're anticipating, they're anxious about what's to come, what's to happen, what, what, what this is leading to. 
I mean, they're familiar with the Old Testament stories that the kingdom of God is going to be established, that, that, that He will rule and reign, that, that the Messiah will... Like, like they, they knew. The, the problem is they skipped over the ones that told how this would happen. They, they thought of it in their own heart, how God would do. They, they had their own desires and their own preconceived notions. And so they're celebrating in this moment and they're rejoicing for all the mighty works that they had seen. What are the works that they had seen? Jesus had done, accomplished a ton, hadn't he not? Jesus had, had made a name for himself as, as he's performed many, many miracles. And they remembered those miracles. They're celebrating those. I mean, he healed leprosy, how? Just with a touch? He had made the blind see and the deaf hear. He'd made the lame walk. They had witnessed and they had seen and they knew these things. They, they were aware of this. He had commanded the unclean spirits. And what happens? The unclean spirits obey him. I mean, the demons obey. He had stilled the storm and walked on the water. I mean, these stories had spread. They, they, they had heard, they had known. He takes the, the five loaves and the two fish and he, and he makes a meal for thousands. I mean, they're aware of this. Can you, can you imagine the anticipation? I mean, can you imagine how hopeful and excited they are? Finally. Finally, we will get to be with Jesus and He will establish His kingdom and things will be different for us. And so as Jesus entered Jerusalem, they knew nothing could stop Him. I mean, if you just speak to the storm and it stops. I mean, I've got small children. And I'm much larger than them and they should be scared of Dad. And they still don't listen. But Jesus just speaks and nature stands still. Jesus just touches and the disease is gone. Jesus just says, believe and get up. And people get up and they walk. Who've never walked before. That's Jesus. That's the power and control. That's our God. And so they knew nothing could stop him. They knew that he could walk right up to Pilate and he could just speak to Pilate and Pilate would perish. They knew that. They knew that Rome would be scattered and in, in, in chaos. And so the crowd, they're excited. They're excited, but they're blinded by what they want. They're anticipating. But the anticipation is filled with their own desires. And so church, we've got to be careful not to be the same way. I think far too often in the church, that's... That's how we think. Like, like God should be like this, or He should do this, or He should make this happen now, or, or why would He allow that, or why would this take place, or why would it go down this road, or why, why is it happening this way? All the while, God's in the background working and doing His plan for His glory and for our good. And so He's going to show Himself soon enough, and He's going to show Himself in a way that they're, they're not going to like, or they're going to uh, be quick to, uh, to abandon and so they have this idea of what, what things are going to be like as their king enters the city. But the problem is, like I said, they're filled with hope, but it's out of a selfish heart and a selfish desire. They're filled with hope bent to, to their liking, to their want. And see, the way that God looks at it is hope for the world. Hope for his enemies, hope for those uh, who want nothing to do with him, hope for, hope for this lost and fallen world. And so the story goes on in verse 38, saying this, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory uh, in the highest. And so Jesus is king, and he's not just any king. He's one that is appointed by God. He's sent by God. And they knew, they were aware of the Old Testament scriptures, how Isaiah had described him. Look with me, it'll be on the screen right here. It says this in Isaiah 9, 7. It says, of the increase of his government. See, they knew that, the increase of his government. God's going to rule and reign. He's going he's to have a system and a way that's going to be above any other way, that's going to be better than any other way of, of the increase of his government. And of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Jesus is over a universal, never-ending kingdom backed by the zeal of God. They knew that. They were aware of that. That's where their mind goes. That's where their heart goes. They're longing for this. They're longing for their coming king to establish and to be. And here's the king of the universe who, who today rules over the nations, the galaxies, and even over the current situation in the world. And it's no different for us. No different for us. He rules over all the chaos and the craziness, even though it may not appear. God has never lost control, not for one millisecond. God has never got confused or upset or frustrated or thrown off not one time by anything that takes place. Like he doesn't ever call a holy huddle with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and be like, all right, guys, like, have you seen what's happening down there? God's not thrown off. God is not worried. God is not, uh, not his, his design and his plan is not thwarted. He, he is in full control at all times with everything. And he is working and he is doing every moment of every day. And even in this moment where it seems to be hopeless and they don't get it, God is still working and still trying to teach and still trying to show. Verse 39 says this, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. See, Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew that the Pharisees were going to have the upper hand. They were going to take control and, and, the, and the people were going to be fickle. Their hearts are going to flip really, really quick because it's, it's going to get uncomfortable or it's going to cost them more than they're ready to, to, to pay. And, and, and he knew that he would be led to that cross. He'd be brutally, brutally, brutally led to that cross and crucified. And he knew that within a generation, this great city would be wiped out. He knew and he was aware. He, he knew what was coming, what was happening. So flip over to verse 43 real quick. Look at, look at verse, verse 43. It says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will, will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and, and tear you down to the ground and, and, and you and your children within you. And they'll not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. He's telling them. He's letting them know what's coming. But they'll have nothing to do with it. They won't listen. They won't see. See, what we have here is God visiting His people in His Son. That's, church, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the God-man who's going to live a perfect, sinless life. And who's going to make a way where there is no way. He's going to pay a debt that we could never pay. 
All the goodness in this room would fall woefully short. All the good intentions, nice ideas, all, all the stuff that we've ever done and accomplished and even put his name on it would fall woefully short if it not for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and they have God in the flesh in this moment and they did not know the time of his visitation. They, they, they did not know who was with them. They'd miss it and they, all that had taken place because they were focused on their selfish desires. I don't know about you, but, but that could probably categorize the story of my life. God is for you, God is for you, God is for you, until it gets hard. God is for you, God is for you, God is, until it gets difficult. God is for you, God is for you, God, until it makes me uncomfortable. God is for you, God is for you, until it inconveniences me. God is for you, God, it's your great name, it's your, God, and, until the cost becomes too, too great. I just, I'm, uh, maybe not today. We'll circle back around later this week. Man, the amount of time that my life has been spent like that. And they have God in the flesh, and they don't even know who they have. John 1.11 says this, that he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And so I don't, I don't know about you, but like I like to kind of play those games in my head a little bit. Like, man, if it was me in that time, let me tell you what I would do. Like, I'm like Peter in my mind, in my head, in my heart. I'm doing this thing. Death, I'm with you. Let's, let's, let's take on. I'm, I'm the cross, let's do it. Until they pull out like a real sword. And I'm like, ah. Jesus, I'm just going to watch over here for a moment. You know, like, like we like to play those games like, oh, man, like, like super Christian. Like, we like to put ourselves in that place. We like to put ourselves and elevate ourselves to, to that, that stature and in that place until tomorrow morning at work we have an opportunity to witness to our, our lost friend at work. Jesus just, I'm, I mean, God's good enough. He wants to save him, he'll save him, right? I mean, whoop, predestination stuff. Get it. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do that kind of stuff. And we'll just, we'll just cower out or we'll walk away from or, or God, yes, I will, I will go to the end with you, but just not between the hours of uh, uh, 7 and 9. Uh, okay, and, and, and really like, like, like 9 in the morning to this time. And then, Actually, I've got like a 30-minute window. Can we try to accomplish it then? I mean, I don't know about you, but, but that's my story over and over and over and over. And so I look at these people and I'm like, are you, are you crazy? How could you miss the greatest the greatest happening this world's ever known or seen. I mean, it just said that they were celebrating all that he had done. They knew and they were aware of all that he had accomplished and done. Even, I mean, but from healings, walking on water, raising the dead. I mean, they're familiar and they know. And their heart is still so fickle. So fickle. They were focused on selfish desires. So they stumbled over the stumbling stone. The builders rejected the stone. What did they do? They threw it away. And what we know here is Jesus, he sees this sin, this rebellion, and the blindness that's coming with it. And so as I put myself in that story, and as I think of, man, how could they have ever? I would, oh, Jesus, you know I'd never do that to you. Until this evening when I have the opportunity to witness or to do something that's going to cost me something or I'm going to have to sacrifice my time or I'm going to have to sacrifice. I mean, the Masters is on tonight. I mean, today, y'all. I mean, I mean, don't call and bother. I mean, we, 
I mean, I know we can record that stuff, but I mean, like it's, it's happening today. The mass, they will get the green jacket and it'll be, oh, it's going to be awesome. And right now, I mean, the guy that's leading has got the greatest name in the world almost, other than Jesus, it's Scotty, but it's, it's a couple letters right at the end, but that's okay. I mean, Jesus would never ask me to do something then, would he? And so I look at this and I just think, man, I fit right there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, ride, I'll ride the momentum and I'll ride the wave when it's high and when it's good and when it's convenient. And Jesus knew this about his people. Jesus was aware of this. He knew this. He understood this. And so, so let's do this. Let's see how he responds because I, I skipped a few verses there. So let's, let's circle back to verse 41 and let's, let's look at it real quick. And let's, let's look at what happens in 41. It says, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. So as Jesus comes in and he sees the city and he sees all that's happening and he's aware of it, he, he weeps, he's broken over the city saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that would make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. So Jesus is broken over the significance of what's happening and he's moved to the point where he weeps. I mean, he's not tearful. He's not just a little upset. I mean, I mean he, uh, the man, the God-man is broken over what's happening at a very, very deep level. He's broken over the fact that, that the people missed completely what was happening right before them. Completely, completely, utterly missing what's taking place right before them, right before their very eyes. The God of the universe is before them. About to make a way. And they're going to celebrate in the moment. But when it gets difficult, they're going to tuck tail and they are going to run. And they miss it. So I, I can remember a time in my life, like I always like to try to just go back and try to remember like, like how, how things and stuff that kind of shapes you and mold you and, and things that, that forms you. I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of stuff in a, in a person's life that just, just shapes you and molds you. And, and, and even like so today as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor or as a, as a husband or, or as a dad or, or, or just, just the different uh, uh, places in my life, the, the, the different hats or roles that I play, like, like how I am, I've been shaped and molded by the different influences in my life. I'm like, yeah, I like a little bit of that. I want that. Um, oh, I like how they do that and how they, I want that. Oh man, how they love it. Yes, I that. Or, or when I was a kid, like I remember certain things that, yeah, I want to be a dad like that, or I want to follow after that, or I want to, uh, uh, and so, so it just shapes us and molds us. And so I can remember for me as, as I was reading, as I was looking over this, I can remember a, a conversation that I had in seventh grade. Seventh grade. So, so I'm saved at the age of 11 and didn't really fully Fully, I just knew that I need a Savior, and Jesus saves me, and discipleship wasn't really happening in my life. I mean, we go to church some, and, and things like that, and so I'd, I knew that I needed to tell people about Jesus. And like, I didn't even feel like I did a very good job of it, but, but I, I would try. And, and I can remember in seventh grade having this conversation with a, with a classmate. And, and I just believe, as, as I've like looked over this, and as I've thought about this, the story this week as we prepare for, for, for Easter... I believe that God just used this conversation that I had with a classmate just to grip me. I mean, to give me a, a greater passion to tell people about him. And so as I'm sitting there in class and there's this break, I, I lean over to my buddy and I begin to talk to him a little bit. And I said, hey, man, man Jesus, what do you think about him? Uh. I said, what do you mean? Uh? I mean, it's Jesus. I mean, like, I was excited. 
I mean, I knew that was something I should be excited about, so I was excited about it. I didn't, uh, so I just, I started to talk to him a little bit about it, and uh, I had the opportunity to just kind of invite and share and, and tell him about the, uh, about the gospel a little bit, and, and probably like a little janky way, but however I did it, I did it, and I, I, sh- I did it, y'all, like I did it. And you know what he told me? Like, he has the audacity to look at me and say, ah, it's just not for me, I'm okay, I'm good, let's keep going. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, dude, like, hell's real. Hell's hot. I mean, that's what I knew about it at the time. It's not a good place. I mean, gnashing of teeth. I don't even know what gnashing of teeth is, dude, but like, that's not good. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 and I, I tried to paint this picture. I'm fine. I'm okay. Let's get, no, never mind. Let's get, quit talking about it. And like, I am distraught in the moment. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so in that moment, I had, I had two choices to make. To, to, that, that shaped my life all the more. I, I had the choice of like, I don't know what to do, so I punt and I quit and I step to the side and I never do it again. Or I, I press in and try to learn all the more, try to figure out all the more, try to uh, uh, understand at a better level and a better uh, uh, way. Why would he not? I mean, this is the greatest news I've ever been told. And he didn't want the great news. He didn't want the good news. And so to this day, that response still sticks with me. I mean, I was taken back. I just felt helpless. I felt devastated. And it's not so much that I was rejected. Who cares if I'm rejected? I mean, he rejected the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so now having a better understanding of what took place that day, I believe that God used that to kind of grip me and mold me and shape me all the more for the gospel and give me a heart and a desire to want to tell people. To want to evangelize, want to, want to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. I understand who I am and I understand what he's done in my life. And I, and I want others to have it. I want others to know of the good news of Jesus and, and come to faith in Christ and to, to see themselves as lost and undone and in need of a Savior. Like, like you can't do it yourself. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how great you are. I don't care what kind of plan you have. But apart from Christ, you can't do it. And I, and I saw that and understood that in my heart. And as a result of this conversation, it caused me to dig in more. Not run, not give up on it, but, but, but to go harder at it. To, to try to figure out more. To ask God to, to use me greater. And so as I read this story, and as, as just, just think of that, that story that I just told you. man, I can't begin to, to imagine what Jesus felt in that moment. I mean, I mean the, the rejection that's going to come. And he sees it and he knows it. I mean, all these people are celebrating in that moment, knowing good and well. In just a, a few short days, they're just going to be running and rejecting him. And, and they're going to be the very ones that's going to cry out, crucify, yeah! Yeah, yeah, uh, Hosanna as he comes into the town to crucify him on the cross right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah give us the murderer and the horrific guy. We want him. Throw Jesus up there. And Jesus knows that and he sees that and he's aware of that, that that even his closest friends are going to scatter and be nowhere to be found. He's aware of what's happening and what's taking place in this moment and he is broken over it. Broken over it. And he has every right in that moment to, you know what, say, Dad, I'm done. I'm finished. These ungrateful, worthless, no good People that don't come get me. Every right, and you know what he does? He continues the trek to the cross. That's what Palm Sunday is. It's setting the stage for the greatest week this world would ever know. 
And I say it's the greatest week because it has the most horrific event to ever take place, and it's to crucify our Lord and our Savior, God in the flesh, on the cross. He willingly walks over and lays down his life on Good Friday to make a way for those that wanted nothing to do with him to have a way to get to him. That's what he does. So as we close this morning, the thing comes back up. I mean, rather than seeing Jesus' triumphal entry for what it was, a fulfillment of prophecy, a, 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 a wrapping up of, of what was promised, many were concerned with keeping their own power authority. And so what happens? They miss the Messiah. They miss the Savior. And so what I would beg of you this morning is this, don't miss it. Don't miss what this week stands for. Don't miss what we're going to celebrate, what we celebrate every day. Eric and I were having a conversation this morning before, uh, before everybody got here, and we're just kind of talking and things like that and trying to get, uh, make sure we got all of our final plans for Monday, Thursday, for everything coming up and things like that. And we're, we're talking about songs we're singing and those type of things. And, um, and I said, yeah, 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 the resurrection hasn't yet happened. And he's like, but Scott, it has. I said, but no, it ha- yes, it has happened. But not yet in this week as we celebrate. And we're, yeah, it has. You're right. Like 2,000 years ago. But hey. But he's so right. Church has happened. And we don't have to wait till next Sunday to celebrate it. Yeah, that's right. We don't. Because chances are there's, there's probably a guy in your seventh grade class. And I'm using that metaphorically to say the person you work with this week. Or maybe a family member. Or maybe a neighbor. Somebody in your life that probably doesn't know Jesus as Lord. And what research shows, what statistics shows, that there's certain times when people are more open to hearing and, and coming. And an Easter is one of those seasons, one of those times. And that's what I love about God. is as simple as the colt's going to be tied to a fence and you just tell him that the Lord needs it. I mean, the dude doesn't argue. He doesn't fight. He doesn't, I mean, you coming at my cold? Like, we're going we're gonna to throw down. Ain't nobody taking my donkey. But when God sets up something, he, I mean, he sets it up, does he not? When God establishes something, he establishes it. When it's time to make a way, God makes the way. And someone else's colt tied to the fence isn't going to stop him. And so I just love how God set it up for us. I mean, I mean, the two times in the year that people are most receptive or, or most open to attending or to hearing or to even just like putting up with us. Christmas and Easter. And so, man, how he set that up. Don't, don't miss that opportunity to share and to invite. And, and I'm going I'm to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, like, we've stooped to some levels this coming week, y'all. Like, like we, we, we are doing it. We, we are doing it because we know, we know how the opportunity that's set before us. I mean, so we're going to have free family photos here on Sunday, to which we're going to take and we'll, we'll edit and we'll get them back to the people the next week. We're going to print it off. I mean, that's all next week. So as you're all like gussied up and people get dressed up and do your thing and, and all that. Well, I mean, we want to we forever put that memory out there for all eternity for everybody to always have. You're welcome in a frame on the wall. We want to do that for you. Why? Because we love you. And so if that's the cheap pull you use, but hey, like, 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 like your neighbor, you know you've been, y'all, like, you know you've been wanting to get like family photos done for a while. I have got the place for you. 
I mean, I mean, sell it however you need to sell it, yo. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you do what you need to do. Don't lie. Do what you need to do. Because we're going to take pics. If you want to pick, we're going to have a cute, nice, like, awesome little backdrop set up. This is going to be so sweet and awesome. And oh, family pictures. And if your kids are crazy like my kids and it takes like, like, like 20, like 20 shots, we'll do 20 shots to get the one. Like we're in it to win it with y'all. You know what I'm saying? As much as we're charging for them, we will get the shot you want. We're not charging anything. We'll print them off, have it for them. And we're going to have donuts and pastries and stuff like that before the service in the lobby to be able to just kind of, just kind of socialize a little bit and hang out and catch up and, and enjoy our time together. I mean, so if you need to say, hey, look, you know, you've been looking for a good donut for a while. I mean, I don't know what your selling point is. I mean, like I said, free pictures, donuts, whatever you got to do, right? Anyway, come, come, come get a donut with me. Like, like right now, it's, 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 it's just, I love God set it up for me. Like I said last week, there's a guy at the, um, at, at the, uh, at the golf course that I got to see, and, and I got to see him again last Sunday. I went up with my boy, and we played around a little bit, and I got to see him last Sunday, and I said hey to him, and we're talking back and forth. And, and so this week comes, comes the sneak attack with pictures and donuts, and please be my guest at church. And so, so I'm excited. I am praying that God will open his heart and will bring him and Oh, and there's another guy that I've got to meet this week that, that there's going to be another sneak attack with an invite. Like, hey man, like, give me one shot. That's all I'm asking. Like, like the preaching is, uh, the music's great, but the preaching, uh, but, but, but you'll have a good time, I promise. I'm just trying to get him before Jesus, you know? Like, like, like I just want to get him before Jesus. So whatever you got to do, man, this, this is the time where they're most open. But for us in our heart, man, may, may we press pause in this time, in this moment. And may we be present this week as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And so as goofy as what that was with pictures and donuts, man, we, we, we want to help. Like we, we want to be serious here. So, so we've made the invites. We've got the Easter invites for you. There, there's opportunity. There, there's an easy way. There's an easy way there to be able to do that. I don't have that picture up there, but we've got them there. They're in the lobby. You can grab those and take those. Another thing that we've done is we've made Holy Week greetings. That's going to kind of lead us up to Resurrection Sunday that you can follow along this week. I mean, it'd be a great time to just gather the family around and be like, all right, let's just read this for a moment. And if you've got any questions, let's, let's talk about it and try to put yourself in that story for a moment. But we've got those out in the lobby. They're just, they're just long cards with, with, with the day and scriptures that, that coincide with that. We have Monday, Thursday services coming up this Thursday where, where we're going to get in here and we're going to talk about the greatest example of leadership, the greatest example ever set before us. And we're going to end that celebration with communion as we go out and prepare our hearts for, for Resurrection Sunday. So we're having that Thursday evening, 6.30 here, end with, end with communion and celebrate. Saturday from 12 to 3, we're having our, our Easter celebration for our kids here. Where we're going to cook hot dogs and hamburgers and we're going to feed the family. And we're going to have a bunch of crazy awesome stuff. There's going to be like a big fire truck out front with a ladder to which I probably will not climb up. But there'll be a, there'll be a big fire truck out there and they're going to drop like these big old ping pong balls. And they're going to go everywhere, y'all. Like it's going to look like it's snowing out here for a minute. And there will be balls for days, like just bouncing everywhere, going everywhere. It'll be crazy. It'll be, it, these ping pong balls, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And kids are going to be running around even more hyped up on probably the sugar and stuff that they give them before, but it's going to be great. We'll get all their energy out before we send them home to you. But we want to celebrate with the families the reality of, of what this weekend stands for. And it's going to help point back to that too as we have that Easter celebration. 
And then Easter Sunday, we're going to have our pre, pre-service worship and prayer time at 845. And we're going to gather in this place and we're going to make much of the reality of the empty tomb. And we're going to celebrate who Jesus is and what he has done. And so we, we want to do whatever we can to help set up, to help aid you in preparing your heart for what this time of year means, what, what we're celebrating. And so if I could press you one more time, don't miss Jesus in this. Set aside time to pray. Set aside time to read. Set aside time to invite. I believe you'll be amazed what God can do in you and through you. I, I, I believe you will be amazed at what God will do if we would just set our heart and we would focus on the greatest week this world's ever known. Father, help us this morning hear your voice. Help us this morning follow after you. God, help us this morning to be obedient to the call. God, I I am sure that there are people in our life right now that we could invite, that we could tell. God, give us the boldness. God, give give us the nerve to do it. Help us step out. God, help us step out. God, soften hearts. God, may the gospel be proclaimed in such a way that that hearts here and are forever, their eternities are forever changed. For your glory. Shall we pray?